Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What a year it's been. Seasons have come and gone. Blossom trees have bloomed, died and bloomed again. Things have ticked along, whilst life has stood painfully still. And that's if you're lucky. We launched this podcast a week before the country went into lockdown. Now, 12 months on, we wanted to reconnect with some of the people we spoke to when it all began. My name is Spencer Craig. I run a business called Pure, based mainly in central London. We're a bit like a Pret-a-Manger. My name's Lee Sullivan. I'm the owner and director of Lily's Funeral Directors. I do fear, because we don't know how long this is going to be, and we don't know what the other side looks like. If a job needs to be done, I forget about my own feelings, emotions. I just need to do it. I knew deep down that no matter what I faced, I just I knew I'd be able to do it to help those families. It's a tale of two cities, two very different businesses, and two men who we last met when lockdown was still a novelty rather than a way of life. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, a year of COVID, reconnecting with old friends. Spencer Craig is the CEO and founder of Pure, a chain of sandwich and food-to-go shops. We last heard from Spencer last March when he and his team were on the brink of enormous uncertainty. Lockdown had set in, offices had emptied, and their shops had shut, just as they were about to open their latest branch at Gatwick Airport. I was sitting at my desk looking at the till feed and you can just see what's happened. We were down you know, 80% by 8 o'clock and you just, just knew at that point that this was going to be far worse and far quicker and far more extreme than any forecast we had. It was very obvious that it was going to be extremely severe. So crazy, this stuff. So much resource and mental energy and... Just calling off the five shops, we're calling them all out to, to all close with immediate uh, effect. 
every shop has got a WhatsApp group. So every manager is in touch with every person and just to be absolutely sure that everyone is accounted for all the time. As people become ill, that they don't slip off the grid. A lot of our teams might live in shared accommodation or they live in a room of a house by themselves and don't know that many people in London. That could be a very kind of lonely, dark uh, place. How we can support people that are closest to us, the people that we know that are going to be affected by a, a lockdown. It's going to be a tough few months ahead for everyone. We've been through recessions and stuff, but we're talking no sales. I don't think every, anyone's experienced that. Um, no sales for a unknown period. It's also difficult is what happens afterwards. Has the world changed dramatically? On a personal level, I hope that I've behaved as well as I could to protect the, the business and the, the people that are in it. We caught up with Spencer earlier this week and it was a pretty big day for him. Well, you caught me on a good day, actually, Manvi. We've just opened 12 of our 20 shops this morning. So full of excitement, adrenaline, seeing our teams for the first time in five months. Yeah, lots going on this morning. How did that feel, just seeing them again? Oh, really, really quite emotional, actually. Even talking about it now, I'm getting a bit kind of uh, lump in my throat, really. It's been obviously a long winter for everyone, lots of tragedy and uh, lots of people's personal uh, situations have been so adversely affected so to have something positive and happy the team just really happy to be back to see customers coming in the fridges full of food coffee being made I guess I'm totally addicted to those things it's tangible and you can see it and feel it so yeah I feel I feel great today and when we spoke to you last March you were really worried things were pretty anxious you didn't know how it's going to pan out how has it been since then I, I, my family are safe and well no one close to me has suffered badly with covid so anything yeah. i say is kind of caveated by that on a personal level but on a professional level it's been an absolute roller coaster and each time we think the roller coaster has come to the end there's another big dip <laughs> um so we're hoping that this yeah. is the end of the roller coaster but just yeah. a, a yeah, hugely uh, emotional year, lots of personal anxiety and uh, kind of stress for my family close to me and for the teams, uh, complete lack of certainty for them, for their careers. Can they afford to pay their bills and mortgages and, you know, feed their children? And this is very, very real. And it gets lost somewhere in the numbers and furlough and, and stuff like that. I mean, just remind us, how many people do you employ? How many people were you having to worry about? We were 450 people when we last spoke, but we're now down to under 200. So, um, yeah, it was incredibly hard. We lost some brilliant people. Part of the issue has been, and, and probably if you speak to other kind of retailers or people in the leisure business, you know, the, the government has been really supportive in lots of ways, but oftentimes the changes in the rules have come at the last minute. We, we had to make some decisions on redundancy last September when we weren't sure what was happening with furlough. Now, actually, I just got a message this morning, in fact, from someone that took voluntary redundancy last year and now would like to come back. So now we're open again, we might have opportunities. So the journey is not over for some of those people. As you say, the government has often made those decisions at the last minute. What was it like for you sort of over summer reopening again and then come the autumn knowing that that was all about to stop yeah that was 
that was really difficult. Actually, the, the darkest one was probably January. You know, I'm a control freak. Um, maybe most people that run businesses are, but you know, you 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 want to believe that if you work hard and make intelligent decisions, that you can control the the future. But with this thing, you can't. We opened with really good intent and lots of improvements in July, and we're really ready to go. And at the end of September, we, we knew it was only going backwards at that point, and yeah, it was emotionally very difficult to deal with. You said that the darkest moment was January. I mean, tell me about that. It felt like it was never going to end in January. The virus obviously was inexorably rising. There wasn't all the really great news about when vaccine rollout would happen and all those things. It was just completely uncertain as to when things w will ever reopen again. Did you ever worry that you'd have to just shut the business down? We're still in that worry, actually. Really? That's the reality. We are about people being on the move and going to work in offices. Now, we know that office work will never be the same again, but that's the world we, we're in. And our job is to create a great experience for people when they do come in so that they want to come to us more than our competitors. We have a good plan. The team have worked really hard. We're going to control what we can control um, and be as good as we can be with great food and service. We don't know if people will go back to offices in the same way ever again, really. Does that sort of change your business model? I mean, you know, how, how does it change your thinking? Consumer behaviour is completely distorted right now. So it is quite difficult to plan how people are going to behave in the future. We've decided to focus on being the best we can be in the locations we're in. And once there's a recalibration of consumer behaviour, once restrictions are over, then we'll look at our longer term strategy, whether that involves opening in different places. That's one of the things on the table. And when we last spoke to you, you had the grand opening of your new store in Gatwick coming up. Correct, D yeah. Did that, did that happen? That happened. Didn't quite go to plan. First of all, they've been fantastically supportive, the airport, you know, the industry's been devastated, but they were supportive and got us open in, I'm going to say July, which was great. We had a few good months and obviously there was a huge desire to travel uh, even last summer. But then come November last year in the lockdown, everything changed. We haven't been open there for five months and we're waiting for the announcement from the government about what happens with international travel. I think the desire mm. to travel will be just as big, particularly for leisure. Business travel won't maybe be quite the same, but for leisure, there'll be even more appetite to travel. So I'm really excited about the longer term for that site. Are there some stores that you won't reopen? We were at 22, we've closed two, but the other 20 are all going to be reopened, well, apart from Gatwick, going to be reopened by the 12th of April. It's clearly been a really tough year. You've had to lay off a lot of staff. How hard has it been personally for you and your family? For my wife, it's, it's definitely hard for her. I'm in it and adrenaline pumping and, and trying to solve things every day and... and you know, I was working at home, I come down for, for a minute and I share some news which might be bad or good and then I go back upstairs and she's she worries about that and then something changes again in the afternoon. So I think it's been tough for her and it's not over yet at all. You take a lot of pride in growing the business. It, it's always a reflection of your personality here or reflection of how you think about yourself. So when you've got a, a business and inverted commas with no sales, you feel just completely discombobulated. There's no kind of measure of how well you're you're doing. So that's been a yeah, really difficult to deal with personally. And what are you looking forward to the most? I know there's still a lot of uncertainty, but it does feel like things are, are beginning to open up a bit. 
What are you looking forward to when that happens? Hugs with people. I'm lucky I've got young kids who still want to cuddle me, but you know, miss like physical contact with people and, and laughter and fun. You know, that I think is huge. And on a professional level, we have done a huge amount of work over the last year to improve. And I really am genuinely extremely excited, not just because it's this morning we opened, to see how customers react. We think we're much better than before, but ultimately the customer will tell us if we are. moment, we'll hear from a man who had an entirely different experience of the pandemic. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Across the country in Sutton Coldfield business was booming but for Lee Solomon who runs Lily's funeral home with his best friend Nathan that didn't feel like a good thing Last spring at the peak of the first wave Lee recorded some audio diaries of his experiences for us Morning, it's Lee Solomon checking in. It's 9.25, Monday the 20th of April. I had an amazing weekend off, really needed a good weekend off with my boys. We've got like this inflatable uh, obstacle course thing. My boys are only just over two and uh, they absolutely loved it. The sun was out and we had such a lovely weekend and I came in this morning really refreshed thinking, right, going to make sure everyone's cared for, everything's done. And get on top of everything and the first call I've had to make today was to family's relative that we brought into our care on Friday and we found out they were COVID positive and they wanted to view the loved one in the chapel of rest this morning and I've had to make the call first thing this morning to say unfortunately because they are COVID positive we can't 
offer a viewing it would have to be a closed coffin obviously to stop any spread of the virus this lady hasn't seen her husband in weeks because he was in a care home that was on lockdown and she wasn't allowed to go to see him in hospital on a day that i thought right sun's out let's have a positive day do as much as we possibly can it's just so difficult she was really, really heartbroken and he had a wedding ring on and the one thing that she wanted was this wedding ring back and because I feel so horrendous that I felt responsible that she couldn't see him. I know it's not my responsibility, but so I fully PPE'd up. I wore um, two layers of gloves, full gown and masking and eye protection and took off his ring, disinfected it and gave that back to her and... The moment she saw his ring, that for her, that was the closure. When I handed it back, she burst out crying and usually I'd like to comfort someone and just put an arm around him and say, we're here, we're looking after him. I couldn't. I just had to stand in front of her and just watch her cry. And it was it was horrible, but even though she was crying so much and so upset, she still said thank you for taking his ring and giving it back to her. But it was just that last thing that we could possibly do. The spring was brutal for Lee and his team. The phones wouldn't stop ringing. The demand for coffins was piling up. They'd never seen anything like it. But when the summer came, the death toll finally fell and life became a bit more bearable. It was a massive relief. We were saying to our team, We've done the hard work now. We can spend more time making sure our services are 100% and the families are getting absolutely everything that they need. And we was looking forward to more people being allowed at funerals and that got increased to, from what it was in the height, it was six people allowed at a service. It got increased to 30, which was a breath of fresh air. You could start to see a light at the end of the tunnel. It sounds weird describing a funeral service as nice, but having a nice send-off for somebody and a celebration of life that they deserve. So yes, when the death rate plummeted, it was, yeah, it, it was amazing. And when did you realise that things were getting bad again? The death rate was quite low and we were a lot quieter for about three months. So from June, July and August, we were quieter than we would usually be. And we were basically just <laughs> catching up on sleep, which sounds, I can imagine. sounds mad. But slowly, we would see on the news that infection rates were going up before we would get busy. And then it's usually about a week to two weeks later um, that the, when the death rate was rising, we would see the impact our side. And because there's that two-week wait, you don't feel like it's actually real. But then as the death rate increased, we slowly saw the mortuaries get busier and then it was like a week afterwards, families would phone us up to ask us to look after their loved ones. It was around September that we saw the momentum increase and, and, and that hasn't stopped until, well, it's still now. We're, we're actually in our busiest month. A lot of people that have passed away in February are now having to have their service in March. Our busiest month last year was May, when we conducted 43 services. We've currently got 40 services booked in for this month. Has there been 
a difference in the sort of support that you're getting from the government this time round? Yeah, so the, the first time round, I was openly applauding our local council for mm. the, the support that we got. We, there was temporary mortuaries that were set up in the local cemeteries. Um, the Nightingale also doubled up as a hospital and a mortuary to help with the ridiculous amount of deaths that were happening. And it also helped the local independent funeral directors with storage for our residents. But this time round, there hasn't been that response. The Nightingale hasn't reopened and we haven't had a temporary pop-up mortuaries in the local cemeteries. We have had the airport open its mortuary facility to us, which we can use. So how are you managing? Very difficult. <laughs> We're managing just because our team are working so hard. They're coming in early, they're leaving late. We're doing as much as we possibly can to do as much as we can for our families. Yeah, it's just, it's just very difficult. At the moment... The government guidance is that you can have 30 people at a funeral, whereas in the first wave there was just six. How much of a difference has that made? The increase from six to 30 for mourners attending a service has been amazing. Mm. Having to sit down with a family during the first wave and say only six people can attend mom or dad's service, and if they've got a large family, for them having to choose who can't, say goodbye to someone that was such a pillar of strength within their family it's horrific and watching families get so emotional it's really difficult when we first opened Lily's we dreamt of sitting down with families and saying how can we celebrate mum's life what can we do different at dad's service to make it special for him and that the, the restrictions have taken that away from us but when the increase um, of mourners went from 6 to 30. It was giving us a little bit back. And how has that worked, having the 30 people there? I mean, have you had occasions when that number's been breached? Different cemeteries and crematoriums have different guidelines. So some have requested a list of all of the mourners that are attending so we, that we can forward that to track and trace. Some cemeteries would provide staff from themselves to count in mourners. So they would count in 30 people, which didn't include our team members. And if there was one or two more, then they would have to be turned away. And it was horrific saying that, but during arrangements, we would give strict guidelines to say there are only going to be 30 people allowed in. This, this cemetery does have people counting. There is another cemetery that wasn't counting people in, and they left it upon the funeral directors to police it. We would say, there is already 30 inside. Unfortunately, you're going to have to wait in your cars or, or leave. And if they said no, we haven't got the power or anything to enforce and them to leave. So we would just tell the cemetery. And on occasions, the crematorium had to call the police. Fortunately enough, the police didn't come during the service. And then in the summer, you sort of had a, a moment just to breathe and take stock. And now it sounds like it's been pretty relentless ever since the autumn and it hasn't stopped again. Are you able to prepare yourself for, for what you're going through and to, to stop and take it all in? Or are you just sort of getting through it for now? I think because we, in the first wave, it was so horrific, our team got into a, a really good routine and 
we all took huge responsibility for our individual roles. And now in the second wave, we've just clicked back into that routine. It's a bit like muscle memory. As it got busier, our team just have been brilliant. And so we just try and take our weekends to recoup, enjoy time with the family. I've got twin boys that are three and being able to spend time with them over the weekend, it's just, it's amazing. And a year on, you know, and what a year it's been for everybody, but particularly for you and everything you've gone through. How are you? How am I? I'm nobody to moan. We've been working hard, our team have been working hard, but through this past year, we're all so grateful as a team to have a job. There are so many people out there in such worse positions than us. We're just extremely grateful to be working. The families that we're having to look after, they're in horrific times. We're tired, but that's only temporary. We'll be fine. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the director of Lily's Funeral Home, Lee Solomon, and the owner and CEO of Pure, Spencer Craig. The producers today were Oliver Adamson and Asir Fuchs. The executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Carla Patella. If there are any stories that you'd like us to look into, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, perhaps you'd like to tell us about your experiences of the last year, then please do drop us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. 